0: Have you ever wondered how a banana duct taped to a wall sold for $120,000, or why worthless JPEG files sell online for millions? We often talk about how when money is bad at being money, other things become money. And that is definitely true for art. Broken money is a problem that ripples out into all aspects of culture and society. Looking at how it's affecting art is a great way to really conceptualize this problem. When money takes no effort to produce, then the quality of things that we make to earn that money naturally declines over time. Broken money forces creators to think about volume instead of quality. When we deprioritize beautiful things being made with care in the real world, gradually our real world becomes less and less beautiful and less inspiring place. Our world starts to reflect this disposable everything economy that results when you have money that is constantly losing its value. The Bitcoiners care a lot about quality and Bitcoin is money that takes effort to produce. And so to buy something with Bitcoin, you're going to want to be buying quality. A lot of people in Bitcoin think that in the future, Bitcoin can help society reprioritize building great stuff, sort of trigger the second renaissance of great art and architecture. You're listening to The Block Reward. This is the show where we help you understand Bitcoin without you needing to be obsessed with it. I'm Scott Deedles, and I'm the founder and CEO of Block Rewards, and part of our mission in bringing Bitcoin to the workplace is helping people understand how it's going to help them. And to dive into this topic this week, we're joined by Canadian Bitcoin artist, Madex. Madex is a talented mixed-medium artist and a long-time Bitcoiner with a lot to say on the topic. So if you're ready to hear about how Bitcoin fixes art, and, by extension, improves the world around us, then stick around. This one's a doozy. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Block Reward podcast. We are going to be talking about how fiat money has ruined art today with Madex. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much, Scott. Thank you for having me. Maybe just before we get into our conversation, uh, for our listeners who are new to Bitcoin and may not be familiar with your work, can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm the
1: creative director of Bull Bitcoin, and I'm a artist and designer. I create a lot of work that's inspired by Bitcoin and uh, Austrian economic principles and capitalist principles. So that's the foundation of my artistic work. My design work and then also the brand anchoring work that I've done for Bull Bitcoin. Bull Bitcoin is an exchange running in Canada. We're Bitcoin only, self custody. And uh, we just launched in Costa Rica. We're operating there now and expanding further internationally. We're a company that prides ourselves on sort of setting the industry standard for Bitcoin practice and, and Bitcoin ethics, kind of pioneered the whole maximalism concept. And uh, yeah, that that keeps me busy. So I'm just uh, another person out there working to send Bitcoin signal and share the message of what we're doing and and the hope that uh, you know it'll change things and bring bring back a sort of new Renaissance era that we are desperately deprived of currently with
0: the fiat economics at play. Absolutely. As I think it's worth mentioning, bull, for people who aren't familiar. I've heard Bull Bitcoin described by other Bitcoiners as a hyper Bitcoinization company, which is just super cool. What what does that even mean? Yeah,
1: well, what we do at Bull Bitcoin is we enable a Canadian citizen currently, eventually someone in Costa Rica and to, in all the nations that we expand to, but specifically like our um, proof in Canada, we enable Canadians to exist without a bank account if they chose to. So thanks to bull Bitcoin's operations, you can live in Canada without a bank account and running and living entirely on on Bitcoin only. Um, so we do that by processing, Basically, any bill, payment, and transaction in, in the entire country that's possible. You can pay your taxes with Bitcoin. You can pay your utilities bills with Bitcoin. Anything you can think of. Um, you also have the ability to send money via Interact e-transfer. Um, which is kind of like our Venmo, I guess, in in Canada, to anybody using Bitcoin. um, We just allow you to seamlessly interact with the fiat system using only Bitcoin. And then also without anybody on the other end receiving those payments, knowing that you've used Bitcoin to say, pay your tax bill or or pay your utility bill. So that's, I guess, as close as you can get to hyper-Bitcoinization. If you're someone who only has Bitcoins and you, you don't want to have a fiat bank account, uh, we make that possible. And that's the service that we're trying to bring international because obviously that that's a major step in hyper-Bitcoinization is exiting the fiat banking system entirely. And obviously until we have like a circular Bitcoin economy, it's very difficult to do. We still have to interact
0: with fiat. And so that's what we're we're servicing. 100%. I think that the idea of that is is pretty daunting. But I, I also think that there's more people doing that than the average person might imagine. And uh, so you guys would probably know this better. And without sort of giving off like any, any sensitive uh, secret c- customer information, like how many people in Canada totally exist within Canada without using Canadian dollars?
1: A lot. I mean, Canada ha- has been way ahead in a lot of ways. Uh, with Bitcoin, I guess primarily because our kind of regulatory basin was very slow on kind of spooling up and catching up with everything that's been happening. So for a number of years, Canada was just the best Bitcoin environment on earth. And that's why we see a lot of uh, major players in the Bitcoin space having backgrounds in Canada. There was a lot of freedom to create, build and uh, transact with Bitcoin here for a long time. It's only kind of over the last couple of years that regulations and bureaucracy has kind of started getting in the way. So Bitcoin really got a good footing here in Canada, you know, right, right in the beginning, I mean, right down to like in Kelowna, there was, uh, you know, a store you could walk into a brick and mortar store you could walk into and buy Bitcoins. In you know, 2013, there was one in Calgary, they were they were all across the country, there's just, there's a lot of people in Canada that were freely able to say buy, you know, 10,000 Bitcoins without kind of any interference or or, or any um, issues from legacy finance. And and I guess that just, I think also just a lot of things in, in Canada, you just kind of are, you're thinking in a in a more sovereign way because we kind of have like a much more oppressive state of government up here. So we're looking, you know, the United States believes it has a lot of freedoms. And so I, I think people are just kind of not really as quick to accept ideas like Bitcoin because they're under the illusion that they don't really need it. Whereas in Canada uh, for a long time, I mean, it's been very difficult for people. And I think the best year of all time to have been acquiring Bitcoin was in 2015. And, you know, 2015, Trudeau gets in, we're heading for a socialist hellhole dictatorship. I think the writing was on the wall that, you know, our currency was going to fail just, just a lot of factors in the environment make, made Canada an, an ideal space to kind of become a Bitcoiner. And then as a result, we have Bull Bitcoin, which is su- some of the best Bitcoin practice services in on earth. And then we also have, you know, many other companies out there that are based in Canada or at least have Canadian founders because we were just early, I guess.
0: Yeah, Canada seems to uh, punch way over its weight class in terms of the number of Bitcoiners, prominent Bitcoiners out there. It's funny, you, you mentioned that uh, that that Kelowna brick-and-mortar Bitcoin store is like my my personal Bitcoin pain story because in 2013, when that store opened, I was literally living right across the street from it and in the, the basement of that building was a coffee shop and I used to get a coffee there every day. And I can recall like in 2013, 2014, looking at this Bitcoin sign in the window and just, you know, that that was my first opportunity to have a serious chance. Like, and, you know, everyone's like, well, what if I bought it at a dollar? But genuinely, I used to stare at this Bitcoin store in the window and uh, have my coffee and just like it just whooshed right over my head and who knows where I would be today probably not doing this podcast but uh, you get Bitcoin of the price you deserve I'm really curious about Bitcoin in Costa Rica and you were just there so maybe uh what what's the what's the different uh what was your like take on Bitcoin adoption and bull in Costa Rica
1: uh, well, it was incredible to see. I mean, it definitely is very pioneering to go there and kind of uh, be involved in a community where it seems like everybody is accepting Bitcoin, which is excellent. Even if they're not accepting Bitcoin, thanks to full Bitcoin services, you can pay in Bitcoin um, and then it'll convert to Simpe, which is the payment processing system that Costa Ricans use down there, um, which is very cool. So my entire trip, I was able to live off of Lightning. And then there's, uh, so the wallet app, Bitcoin Jungle, that's been built down there is excellent. It's very well done. It uh, has a lot of educational tools built into it, which is pretty cool to see from a wallet. And it's just, it's a product just designed for the people who are living in Costa Rica that want to use Bitcoin to transact and interact with, you know, the markets around them. And uh, what what they've established down there is really incredible. Just I guess one after another, kind of word of mouth, person to person, a an entire network of people who are starting to learn about Bitcoin, study Bitcoin, understand Bitcoin, and accept it for payment for goods and services that they offer um, has has certainly been developed. And yeah, that's kind of that that's very exciting to see. I mean, we just had in Calgary this local Sats market, which is kind of like a, a small scale version of what I saw in Costa Rica, which is pretty cool, but. You know, actually using Bitcoin for, you know, one of its primary intended purposes, which is, you know, to transact with and being able to kind of get everything you need is, uh, very puts you in a very forward thinking kind of state of mind. And then what I, what I think is neat is anyone who's visits in Costa Rica can kind of see this. Like it really just was, you know, a handful of guys approaching vendors and kind of talking to them about Bitcoin and explaining kind of all the things that you and me probably quickly and readily understand, but explaining it to uh, these different merchants and then kind of onboarding them one by one. And that's sort of, I guess, the kind of like, uh, you know, Mormon door-to-door work that can be done in any community and, and so that's kind of what I was most excited about was just that like, okay, what's happened here in Bitcoin jungle is definitely repeatable around the world. It's definitely scalable. And all it takes is basically a group of people who are willing to spend Bitcoin. So I've kind of always been a... Spendle mentality over the HODL mentality. I'll take every opportunity I can to spend Bitcoin. Um, like whenever I interact with a listing site, like say, you know, Craigslist or Kijiji we have in Canada, I'm always offering to pay for whatever I'm looking for with Bitcoin. And I'm just to kind of have a touch point that's like, hey, like, you know, this is a real money and, you know, I'd like to use it as a real money if you'll accept it. So I think there there's a lot of uh, opportunity to basically build that kind of back and forth like just markets. And that that's what I saw in Costa Rica it was just an extremely successful implementation of a Lightning wallet and of, I guess, the hard work of just talking to people one at a time and and sharing with them kind of our vision for, for the future.
0: Cool. Yeah, we had a couple of weeks back an episode with the Coin House guys, the Lightning developers, and they have this really awesome story about uh, most of their businesses in Canada, except for One town in Brazil that has like 300 merchants using their, their lightning wallet, just because somehow one, one person got a hold of it. And it just like mycelium spread, spread throughout the entire community. And, uh, there, there are examples like this popping up everywhere. And, uh, yeah, the, the marketing Calgary was a great start in Canada too. I think for Canadians, it's definitely a little bit more, let's say it's a little bit less real for people, I think, because you can't go into coffee shops, like, on your in your corner neighborhood probably and pay for bitcoin today not that that matters but it, there there is some kind of like psychological element of uh the spindle part it, it is important in terms of like changing people's perception of, of what bitcoin does
1: Yeah. And I think it's just like something in the media. It's something in the media that's like difficult to grasp and understand. I think just when it's coming at you through like headlines or, you know, whatever kind of buzzwords and whatnot. But then when you actually have someone who's like, Hey, I have this and I'll give it to you in exchange for your goods and services, it's a total kind of grounding realization for the person. So, you know, it kind of makes it very real. I also found this in a lot of ways with um, people who would. Visit me, and they knew I was into Bitcoin, but then they would see like mining hardware that I was operating and running. And that kind of gave them like a touch point that like this isn't just like a collection of random headlines in the media. You know, it's like a real functioning ecosystem. And so, you know, I hope we see a lot more of these kind of market ideas grow and these these just kind of bootstrapped economies where it's like, okay, well, If we're all working and we're trading the Bitcoin back and forth between each other, you know, over time, it's like, uh, as the value of the Bitcoins go up, it's sort of like the, you know, like, if I pay like a very good friend of mine in Bitcoin, and and then Bitcoin goes up 50% overnight, it's like that wealth is still sort of in the family. You know, it's even though it's not my gain, it's my friend's gain, Right. So I think about that sort of in the communities, like if you have a pool of Bitcoins kind of, you know, switching hands and exchanging around, like as number goes up, it's kind of like the whole the whole community is sort of becoming wealthy. So it's like your exposure to Bitcoin's upside is is just much greater if it's shared within a community than than just kind of hodling it y- yourself, right?
0: Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I, uh, one of the, the phrases that came from a, from a pleb at, a, at an event uh, at Bitcoin Radio, Rodeo in Calgary last summer was, prosperity is a shared endeavor, which is a, a slogan that we use at Block Rewards. And I, and I just love the concept because it, it really is a foundational sort of intrinsic component of how and why Bitcoin works and attracts new people all the time. Yeah, let, let let's uh, we're we're here today to have this conversation about art. And uh, but before we dive into it, I want to start <laughs> start by asking a question I ask every week, which is different for every person who answers it. But uh, curious to hear your thoughts on what is Bitcoin. I think most importantly, Bitcoin is accountability
1: and and personal responsibility. And I I I think it, it it's the core engine to being able to interact with the world with a with a strong foundation, it's uh, it's the basis of kind of individuality and that sort of like master of independence that allows you to become interdependent with others. So I, the sort of uh, saying that you know you can't really look after other people until you have your own kind of house in order, your own your own life in order. Um, I think Bitcoin is just kind of the first step to having that. That strong foundation and, and in order in order to have a strong Bitcoin foundation, you need to have a very healthy relationship with accountability and uh, responsibility and I think that uh, when I look out into the world, all the people that I admire for for whatever kind of uh, macro reasons, the real kind of core of it is uh, their, their radical sort of self-responsibility and their, their self-reliance and, and accountability to themselves. And I think that once, once you onboard Bitcoin and you kind of start into the journey of, of understanding it and learning more about it, the inevitable outcome for every person on a long enough timeline is that they become a sovereign individual.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that answer. The personal responsibility thing is one of my favorite core aspects of Bitcoin culture. And it's also why I think it's such an interesting thing for employers to be thinking about starting to have their staff earning Bitcoin at work, because building a culture of personal responsibility while you're running a business to me is probably just about the most important, the single most important thing you would want to have people value in terms of like, actually running a real business. And, uh, but, it, but it, it applies to society too. And I think this is kind of a decent segue into the conversation about art because this notion of being able to produce money that requires no effort to produce has a, has a disastrous trickle effect into basically every aspect of society. And one of the really niche ways that it bubbles up that is actually in front of our eyes at all times is what it's done to art, and uh, this is actually how I first became exposed to you. Uh, so this conversation was sort of inspired by a conversation that I, I saw you have with uh, with Dave Bradley. So some credit to Dave, who was on our show uh, a few months back. And um, yeah, let's let's just talk a little bit about uh, for our listeners who are still trying to make sense of what Sound Money does. Um, could you describe it fifty thousand feet, like the problem? Between fiat money and art. Well, the main
1: thing is is that fiat money just strips art entirely uh, out of everything. You're kind of you're 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 working in this area where you want to build as fast as possible, and you don't care about the longevity. And you don't care about sort of the four and five dimensional aspects of whatever you're building, because there's no time to think about those. Those are difficult areas in, in any project to kind of, uh, you know, you really have to, f- for example, like live in the building before it exists that you're creating, like in the example of architecture. And that's time consuming and and, it costs money. And it's uh, when the incentives are lined up to basically get the money as fast as possible because the money is just melting ice, it's just evaporating in our hands, then it, it becomes important to complete the project right away and to spend as little as possible while creating it because you do not have a concern for that project To be around in 10 years or 50 years or 100 years. You just have a concern on making the sales targets before the money that you have that you're operating on currently goes to zero. So, thus, like everything is just stripped out. Everything beautiful is stripped out. And um, they've kind of tried to package up to us in in this, like, minimalism uh philosophy and idea and like minimalism has a place and it can be very beautiful but it's an art form in itself and uh a, a drywall box is, is not minimalism um that's just cost savings and um this like the 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 horrible effect that this has is it just kind of destroys people's will to become or exceed or kind of reach beyond, it kind of, it really kills like all the magic in the world. And um, definitely like, you know, since 1971, we've just kind of seen the magic gut out of everything. Um, and this is a big push, I think, from kind of all the collectivist players they don't really want us kind of believing in anything higher or aspiring to reach higher. The collectivist kind of wants to elevate the lowest level of society and have everybody cater to that versus kind of indi- the individualist wants to elevate like the greatest members of society and have everything kind of reach, reach for that. So I think like pretty back in the past, every single project in the eras where money wasn't broken, an artist or uh, a creative, and either as a separate person involved in the project or just as a byproduct of being extremely skilled in whatever the discipline was, would always have... The artist was just incredibly important to the project. So when considering building anything, everybody was looking like very far into the future, had a long time horizon. And they wanted whatever was built to just have value over time and to inspire future generations and to kind of recreate and duplicate creative types. And that just we don't have anymore um, because, you know, it's expensive. And if we need an immediate sale, there's no
0: point into reaching into the future. What you're talking about is not a small thing at all because, like you said, speaking to this idea of the imagination of society, like the, the art really reflects the undercurrent of of what's what's happening in culture. And uh, it's a it's a way to peer into the the spirit of uh, of a society, right? And today we're peering into a banana that's duct taped to a wall, and uh, this is kind of the example of what it says about the 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 current state of things i'm 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 less of a, of a of an art history buff so but if we were thinking about like as art kind of progressed through pop art in the 50s and like the the problem with money accelerating uh what 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 were the the trends in art uh are there moments where where there was noticeable shifts in 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 popular art that that stand out to kind of how we got to today like uh, as The parallel of the money problem? When money is broken, when money breaks, uh,
1: art starts to take on some of the characteristics of value uh, uh, of money, you know, primarily a store of value, which as Bitcoiners, we can all understand if an artist creates a painting, there can only be one of that painting, it can't be duplicated or replicated. And then thus, you know, they're, they're you could argue that there is a value to it because it's one of one. It can't can't be discussed, can't be found anywhere else in the world. And then if there's specifically demand for that thing that there's only one of, then obviously the, the prices go up. So we definitely saw like an acceleration of the whole using art as a store of value, like as as money broke. Um, and then at the same time, because that that started happening as a way to kind of escape inflation, it also became clear that art was just a very flexy way to show off your wealth and so at the at the same time of the actual kind of you know legitimate reason of like okay i need to like hedge my bets against inflation also it kind of became a way to to kind of show off like how wealthy you were and so the demand in the art worlds just kind of exploded and at the beginning of like all the kind of modern art that we we sort of laugh at today you know like the scribbles and things like that there actually was like you know in my opinion like a Jackson Pollock it is very it's very intriguing and interesting and and beautiful to me even though it's just paint. Splattered on a canvas. Uh, but that kind of specifically comes from the time that it was made and just like the success that kind of he was able to have from that. And um, you know, it, it's just like there's a lot of firsts in that era. There's a bunch of other artists in that kind of era that were just experimenting with things. But then what happened was is that demand exploded and there was only a handful of actually very creative and talented artists, it's actually extremely difficult to find a creative person who is in touch with kind of what's cool and what's trendy, but also has like great vision and great creative abilities, and also kind of the ability to sort of trendset and like be a fountainhead for sort of uh, artistic vision. These sorts of people are extremely difficult to find. And when demand started exploding, the galleries and the dealers and the auction houses they kind of ran out of suppliers, and so they just started inventing the supply. And this is where we see like the real degradation of arts because it it went from like people that were out there that just because of the fate of the universe were creating kind of interesting, beautiful, unique, or kind of like uh, unconventional ways of doing things or different ways of looking at things into kind of like okay, hey, now we have to manufacture this and that that's when we started shifting to the to the entire paragraphs describing, you know, why a piece of art is art, you know, something that should be valued. So, you know, these galleries and and dealers and stuff, they would they would just find guys off the street that were doing whatever, you know, they would buy up a huge batch of this street artist's work for nothing, then they'd write like an autobiography on this person and then publish it throughout their galleries and then they would kind of suddenly discover supplies of the work and you know they they were all colluding together to kind of pump the prices on things and then also at the same time we had like legitimate like fiat multimillionaires and billionaires that were trying to escape inflation looking to find places to put it and you know one of the best places you can store value is something that's just scarce and in demand and one on one and so you know they started competing with e- with each other to buy different pieces driving up prices you know galleries and auction houses would take no name artists and then they would trade the art between each other back and forth several times over to kind of create a long buyer's history that was sort of entirely false and then they would be and then they would bring something to an auction house with kind of like a history of having been sold you know, fifteen times, and every time the price went up, you know, twenty percent or whatever. Uh, but really, it was all just kind of insider art trading. A, a huge, a lot, a, a massive amount of opportunity in this whole art world because it's just entirely unregulated and there's no interference really at all, and kind of everything is sort of plausible deniability. And so, you know, for the purposes of like. Laundering money or kind of scamming, inflating values, all 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 these kind of fiat finance games that can be played in, you know, say, traditional markets or or just on the street, like straight up scamming can be done in the art world like very effectively and with kind of a lot of class and finesse because these guys have all these sort of suave brands because they're able to pull together so much so much capital and kind of make themselves look like that. So, But yeah, once and then I mean, like now I think people are kind of waking up to it being like, well, okay, now they sort of way oversupplied the market. And, you know, because of the broken money incentives behind it, it's still like a driving force. But I think like on a public level, everyone's kind of waking up to like, "Okay, this is just a lot of splattered sort of canvas like something's something's got to be not quite right with it. But, you know, I don't think it's really going to stop. It's extremely difficult to find talented creators. And if you need to service a market demand, like you're not going to wait
0: around for,
1: you know, the next like Tesla to be born. You got to just kind of make it up.
0: Yeah, I guess I, I sort of think about it like art. Art is a great example of it, it shows it shows the problem of broken money really in both directions. Like on the one hand, I think about like the evolution of sort of mass produced art that's arrived at the end state of kind of walmart art where everyone can get this generic uh canvas paintings now and and so that's happening on one side and then on the other side of it the spectrum is what you talked about with this you know sort of like classical fictitious example of uh artist paints a canvas red someone buys it for 20 million and now they have a an asset that they can insure for 20 million dollars and and take a, a to use it as collateral to take out a loan and there are all kinds of mechanisms so it's yeah lots of ways that the the broken money manifests in reality in the our world yeah i mean one of the most
1: famous cases because somebody made a great meme is just um you have uh just Whatever the red canvas, like you said, and then you have it appraised by your buddies that uh, make sure it gets a very high appraisal, so it's worth like twenty five million. And then you donate that to a museum, and then you have just created a twenty five million dollar tax write off for your donation. So th- this this is like heavily played a lot, and yeah, for for whatever reason, I mean, that there's that line. It's like it's a big club, and you're not in it, but you know, it's just been allowed to continue. Ongoing, and uh, I think, I mean, it's very, very difficult to argue otherwise. And I think that's why it's so successful um, in these sort of deceptive financial games. Because, I mean, if a market's willing to pay for it, then that's what the price is. So the market sets the price. It's hard to argue that. And then if if every player in the market is kind of on your side, then everybody's going to work together to kind of preserve.
0: The illusion. That that scam is the basis for the sort of fictional value of NFTs, right? Where the only important difference is with the sort of pseudo-anonymity with an NFT is that you could actually create it and then sell it to yourself. So now you have something you've you've created out of thin air and you've sold it to yourself for a certain price. So that you still have both the money that you paid for it and now you have something that's worth in theory whatever you said you paid for it yeah and then do the, you sell it to a greater fool that's their whole game basically but let's talk a little bit about NFTs i'm, I'm sure that's the game in the art world man i mean the art world fully i'm sure we we, we have listeners who are are you know learning about this stuff and and uh, and NFTs are are tangential to this space like you're you're an artist in bitcoin in this space like what's the tldr on on NFTs NFTs are an outright
1: Blatant scam, you'll never get your money out. And uh, that that's why I was just about to say there previously is that like this whole the whole fine art world is set up to target and take advantage of insecurities and wealth. And I think that the whole sort of nft world is set up as well in 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 the same way to kind of attack and poach people in in that are in a position of wealth but then also obviously they're peddling these to to the masses as well it's really like it's just ICOs repackaged it's kind of just selling the dr- dream that um you know your digital token that you have will 100x in value and then you'll be just like you know the guy with the Lambo and the Gucci bags that, you know, sold it to you. So it's it's pretty, it's really, it's definitely predatory. And I mean, like with ICOs, what we saw was the scammers used all their kind of buzzword soup to hook in major corporations. And have like General Motors be like, okay, we're interested in like looking at this, you know, blockchain technology, um, and seeing, you know, if there, if it is something that can help our business. And then the scammers would take that, you know, like email with General Motors and broadcast it. Partnership with our shitcoin is imminent, and you know, GM partners with like Solana in like experiment. You know, they did it was all packaged into these kind of rough headlines or misleading headlines. And then eventually, like the corporate world, kind of became wise to the whole thing that it is a scam, and that like blockchain is just like a way for a snake oil person to receive some massive consulting fee to talk to you about like inefficient databases. So they all just shut it down. So then these scammers kind of run their their like trick of like, okay, let's get like a major corporate brand to pair with us. That uh, that ended. Uh, So they needed a new mark and where the mark came from just happened to be the creative arts, which in my opinion is, is quite dark, much darker than, than corporations targeting corporations to kind of be the sort of, you know, patsy for the, for the scam. You know, most artists are, are really going through a difficult time and kind of any step that they could take to get ahead or gain some traction, you know, is definitely considered and, and respected and, you know, so the scammers basically just went after creative brands and uh got a lot of like established artists, musicians, you know, actors, all kinds of like artistic ventures to kind of basically like cross promote like co-brands, you know, with with their nft project and and scam people using basically an an established and trustworthy brand name. So, you know, with ICOs, it was like, okay, buy our token because Amazon is going to use our token and then our token is going to be so wealthy. And then with NFTs, it was like, okay, buy this these individual tokens because, you know, chain smokers and I are doing this collaboration and, you know, a billion people listen to the chain smokers. So obviously the NFT is going to go up in value. And man, I mean, like we saw just in the like, and that that's what's at, gonna come out of this whole ordinal thing as well. It's like men lie, women lie, like the numbers don't lie. And you just look at kind of the NFT, fi- the finances of any of these NFT peddling companies um, from the launch to today. That's what you know. That's a glimpse into the future of what we'll see with the whole ordinals thing as well. You know, I think it was like that Open Seas one they did something like, you know, a couple billion dollars or something insane, like, or maybe it was like several hundred million. And then, uh, you know, like, last quarter, they did like, 600, 600k, something like that, right? So these things are just smash and grabs. And, you know, unfortunately, like, when money is failing, people are in desperate situations. And when you're desperate, that's when you're willing to take on sort of big risks, you know, like, Pop- popping your life savings into a fucking stupid ordinal or you know into an nft or something it's like you like people are just struggling so hard right now that it's like we need like these big wins like i think a good uh i could like metric is like just lottery ticket sales i think that like if you're buying lottery tickets you're at like a point where like you just have lost kind of hope Really, I mean that it's like it's like an exit. Like you know, it's inefficient. You know, like it's never going to happen. But it's like buying the tickets as just like sort of something to like help mitigate the stress of like not being able to pay your bills. So I think that that's what pushes people into like making a lot of these buying decisions, and whether it's these. ICO projects, NFT projects, or or kind of anything else, and that's why I get like quite upset about it. Like right now, like I've been pretty vocal about targeting ordinals and being like, "This is bullshit." And it's not like I don't. I have no issue with miners making crazy amounts of money. That's good for them, you know. If if more capital can end up in the hands of well-meaning bitcoiners, then you know I think that's a great thing. You know, if we want to like play around and, and and like do this, in my opinion, it's it's like fully spam, and it does't has no place being there. But whatever, you want to have some fun and make these things, ok. But um, you know, it's these big pushes from like Bitcoin magazine and, you know, other actors trying to resell, you know, what they they they, they I, they're all just lying to themselves. They inherently know that. They're scamming, and 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 that's like the hardest part. It's like that where the resale happens, where you're saying like this is something that is going to go up in value. This is something that's going to make you rich. This is like a cutting edge opportunity that like you don't want to miss behind or you don't want to leave behind. Like the, it, it, it's that whole like peddling where where it's just like really dark and in my opinion like completely unforgivable. I think just selling a false hope doesn't matter who you are or or what you claim your beliefs are. you know if, if you're pushing something to someone as like a, a way out as an exit because that's why anybody's willing to buy these things is because they're like hoping to have like some positivity come into their life by escaping the struggle of like overbearing financial pressure from collapsing fiat. And if you're like selling them, you know, a a way out and 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 it's it's false. Like it's a dead end. You know, that's where my respect for you completely ends.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's preying on people. And uh, I think you just did an awesome way of, um, you know, capturing the, the entire, the entire grift. It's, and it, it, it's really, it, it's tragic because I think you, you need to be, it takes time to sift through all this information, right? And so it, there's a reason why they, they they catch people. And they catch our new fresh crops of people every, you know, just long enough for the last round of everyone to have forgotten and got, got excited again. And I guess that's kind of what's going on right now with ordinals. There was one yesterday that sold for $40,000 or something. And, and and it's probably exactly what I was describing where you fake, right? This is, uh, it's fake. Yeah. I like
1: it's to be able to sit there and say you're a positive Force for Bitcoin by peddling any variation of, of garbage, and like these guys that are behind this, like they're not stupid guys; they're smart. Like they know what they're doing, and I think that's like just really what what what's so upsetting about it. Like Bitcoin Magazine built a position of trust over a number of years; they're in a position of authority. They're 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 you know well respected well known there's a there's a huge long history in bitcoin there and i guess it's just more important to them to yeah they just leverage that position of trust to kind of take advantage of you know people who are out there that don't know any better and you know like all of us like you right now myself, every, everybody that's kind of like working to build, I guess, a brand within Bitcoin, like we're all kind of building a, a position of trust. And, you know, we're, we're building a name. And, you know, I was raised that like, my name is my name. And, you know, when you make a mistake, you got to be ready to own it. And, you know, you got to be honest and and interact with people honestly. And you got to, you know, look out for what's best for kind of everybody around you as well as your own, you know? And I just think that like using a position of influence to just make petty sales like this is just like a very sad way for a brand to die.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, sort of coming back to an earlier part of the conversation, like what we're really talking about is Bitcoin is money that that takes a lot of effort to produce. And the idea is because, it's, because it has value on its own, that you're gonna be thoughtful about what you trade it for. And you're gonna to wanna to trade it for other things that also take effort to produce. So on the one hand, uh, NFTs are a great example, they take almost no effort to produce. And on the other hand, you have like your real world art, like Bitcoiners wanna see real things in the real world, real masterpieces build and funded by this money that has real value too yeah i mean
1: i'm all for this creation of physical work i think that we need to attract more people who are physically talented it's hilarious to even say that but yeah that can make awesome physical stuff into the space you know and being selling and 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 I've said for a long time that for me to ask, you know, for Bitcoin for my work, like it it better be pretty sweet. And, you know, I haven't in in my collections, I think that there's I think all my best work is when I've kind of honored that the most. Um, and the least good Madex stuff is kind of where like the work has has kind of lacked for for whatever reason. So it's this excellent, like as I interact with the Bitcoin market as an artist, it's kind of like I have like, it's like a shit test. Like everything I make has to have some standard of quality to it, you know, for it to be worthwhile and for it to cut for me to like make the sale. So I think it's a really cool market to kind of operate in because it's like you can't like really get away with selling disposable stuff in Bitcoin. I mean, like, I think people have for a long time just because there haven't been like any other options but now i mean like my number one goal with madex when i kind of entered into this was just like you know i'm like not that great and they in comparison to some of the guys out there that have the ability to make stuff you know like i feel like i'm very junior in kind of like my skills but that's just kind of from my place where like what i value in trades and 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 in crafts and um what I wanted was like, okay, well, I'll do the best I can with the materials I have available to me. And I hope it inspires other creators who are insanely more talented uh, than I to come to the Bitcoin market, I guess, come to the Bitcoin marketplace with their creations and their ideas. You know, like what I'm on this like quest here where like I really just, and and try to find the path to selling like $50,000 paintings, $100,000 paintings. And, um, you know, I, I, I then can like recycle that cash into like my own creative endeavors with Madex. But then also, it's kind of like making a statement out there. I mean, like, Okay. Uh, Of all the negative that happened with like NFTs, not so much the ordinal stuff, but like the NFT stuff, like one thing that was really awesome for me when when this was like really firing up at its like prime was you could go to these like NFT listing sites and it was just like an absolute endless kind of pool of creativity. Like it was like, like, you know, there was a lot of stuff that obviously required no effort that was put, that was turned into an NFT and kind of released. But if you just sifted through it, there there were like a lot of extremely talented creators out there. There is a lot of cool stuff out there. You know, there are a lot of artists who like, they they may not understand like why Ethereum is a broken system, but they're extremely creative and they're doing an amazing job. You know, there's a lot of like naivete in it. And that was just awesome to see is like this explosion of like kind of creative forces because like, Again, like the fiat markets, like not incentivizing artists to make anything makes it like a really kind of dark and dead, like, you know, back in the day, if you were like insanely talented at drawing, there was like a whole plethora of career opportunities that existed for that skill. So like you could go into graphic design, you could go into like, you could do graphic novels, you could do comic book art, you could you could do just like straight up the artist thing. There's just like kind of all these areas that you could work in and these days like those don't really exist that much. So as soon as it, there was like hey, like there's a whole bunch of money out here that will like pay you for your creative output, you know, there was like a big push in in that NFT world where like a lot of people who were just kind of maybe creating in their basement marketing to nobody were able to like kind of find an outlet. And so like that was kind of a huge positive cuz it brought a lot of people into you know, or, or at least gave them like the opportunity to make money for a period of time, like while well, there was this huge pump happening. And you know, maybe that was enough for people to just kind of keep going with it or or you know open open new doors. But what I want Madex to do is kind of have that sort of same effect where it's like, okay, if I can come out there and be like, okay, hey, here's a collection of 10 paintings, I sell them all for let's say a million dollars. That's a market signal that goes out to every creative out there that says like hey like here's what i did with my ability and like my talent and it and it netted me a million dollars and so like these guys are going to look at that and be like bitcoin marketplace gave madex 1 million dollars for like that man i can do that way better maybe i am going to enter and like you know it, it, it's just like i want to sh- like be like okay we give it and I, this is difficult to do cuz everyone's in like hodl mentality hodl mentality That's great. But like, you know, we also, the long term exit, it's like, yeah, we want to all become crazy rich off this. I understand that, that lots of people care about that. But big picture, it's like, when you have all that money from Bitcoin going, you better hope there's some people who can make really cool, creative, amazing, because like, after you buy your third Ferrari, you're kind of just... It's going to do nothing for you. Or like your next cookie cutter, 20,000 square foot mansion. Like who cares, man? You want to spend your money on stuff that's actually sick, that has like care and attention put into it, that has a story, that has a tale, that has like some magic into it. And the only way we're going to have these creative people when that time comes, when Bitcoins are like, let's say a million dollars a coin or $10 million a coin or whatever it is, is like to be funding those creators along the way. So that like the The super high performance creators are getting just as fucking rich as everyone else in the Bitcoin community. And like, I'm passionate about improving my skills. Like, most of what I dream about is like, oh man, like if I can crush enough sales this year, I'll be able to buy that like $35,000 laser engraver that can just like do things differently than like the tools I have now. You know, it's like we want, we want like capital to. We we want the creative types, the builders, the engineers, the producers, the makers to like be elevating at the same level as like anyone who's like hodling the currency as well. And that's what I think I can achieve by just being like, hey, look, like like my skills are like this, and then like I'm banking, you know, like let's say a hundred bitcoins and crushing and like working on different projects. I'm hiring other artists in. I'm building out a studio. I got all kinds of creative stuff rolling out the door. It's like. I'm just like this giant signal that's being like, you know, come and ache, like collaborate with me or like beat me in market competition and like a gallery show. Like I want to see that happening. And so I'm hoping that like, I like you know, it's a difficult ship to steer. I literally picked like the most difficult career path possible. But like some big wins for Madex in the Bitcoin space are just going to like drive innovation and and creators into the physical space. So like, why did we have all this explosion in the Ordinal's trash garbage world and the NFT show? It's like, because like major money was like exchanging and moving hands. So you have a big influx of people who are like trying to play the game. And like, if I can like have successes as a physical creator, a physical artist, that's like, hey, look at this, like, I'm you know, one of the things I'm working on right now is this crazy mechanical whale. It's gonna be amazing. And, like, when I put that out and it, like, fetches a high price, like, these are the sort of stories that should be broadcasting. It's, like, we all need to, if we respect physical creators, we need to make an effort to, like, promote, uh, you know, if if we don't have the money to fund the physical creators then we have to do our best to help promote those physical creators. So it's like, whatever position you're in, if you're balling, buy stuff from physical creators. If, you know, on your way to become in ball and like support the physical creators, and let's like try and drive some energy into the whole space. Because, you know, what I dream of, like, I want to walk into my own studio having like not knowing anything about me and and like see what i'm up to and like you know when it, a lot of times i tour my studio and like i vicariously get that a little bit but it's like i'm i'm really in this to like meet other creators and other producers that can like execute at like a high level and that can just produce stuff that's amazing because you know that's what i think like our world deserves and you know we've lost track of that in this mass produced made in china fiat garbage sort of push that's happened but like even if you just look around at like the way like pop i guess pop culture environments in terms of like the new whatever your like trendy restaurant in town is everything's like we're returning to organic anyways everything is kind of returning to like these sort of built to last principles and like a lot of it's like fake because we're kind of like faking it but you can you can like as in like there's still fiat money that's creating these environments so like the wood's not real you know or the plants aren't real or whatever but it's like this is obviously coming into demand and people are like seeking out this like you know hard to get hard to find like hard hard to replace you know I think we just see it even just with like antique stores starting to kind of explode like I was in an antique store for a Christmas event Couple weeks ago, and like the prices in the store were just like out, just absurd. I was like, holy shit, I should get into the antique business because, um, you know, pe- like people are tired of like the crap that just fails. Like IKEA used to be a good brand because the stuff that they made was like real hardwood and it was cheap. And like, even though it was cheap and it was IKEA and last, but like now everything's just like particle board crap and plastic. You know, it's like that's just nothing sacred anymore. It's all being destroyed, and so like we really need a huge push back into you know handmade, hand produced, or at least you know well thought out and like you know proper structured materials and you know stuff that that will last. And you know, I hope that like what I want is that Bitcoin to just be like this world where it's like, hey, like we Bitcoiners, like we will we will fund you, support you, we'll buy your products if they're quality. Because, no, I I've talked about this a million times and, you know, so many others that, like, the incentives in Bitcoin are to, like, buy something that will last you the rest of your life because you don't ever want to have to spend Bitcoin again. You don't want to have to, like, be spending Bitcoin every year to replace something that could just be bought once. You know, so I'm hoping, like, people's attitudes shift and, like, you know, I don't really have, like, a perspective on, like, all these guys that are like big, big whale holders, like I, don't, I, I like don't really know that many of them that operate outside of like the Bitcoin space. And I, so, you know, I sometimes I think it's all a fantasy that like Bitcoiners want stuff that's like built to last and, and you know, that doesn't have to be replaced. But on a long enough timeline, I think we're going to get there. And if we can get more makers in the space like that. Anyway that's my
0: long ramble maybe uh, I'd love to just talk a little bit about uh, about what inspires you your art has pulls different themes from sort of uh, things that are are happening in the Bitcoin community or in the Bitcoin mind space however you want to call it like what 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 uh, how, how would you describe what you're working on or your your style and and what what's exciting you right now
1: Uh man I just want things to just not suck and it's just It's so exhausting to me that we're in this like era where we have the most interconnectivity ever. We have efficient resource extraction. We have like lots of amazing new technology. We have like there's just like so many opportunities everywhere for everything we have to be better and yet it's not, which I think is, you know, A, a result of obviously broken money. People just like can't build savings accounts anymore. And so everything's got to be cheap. That's kind of bought to maintain life. But like that, that there's got to be, I'm, I'm just inspired to be a part of some kind of change that can bring like just authentic, real built to last product back into the world. Because like, I mean, Bitcoin changed my life in a lot of ways. And like, the first thing that I encountered as soon as I started to have like a little bit of capital means to be able to do stuff is that there's nobody to do the stuff. And anybody who's capable of doing the stuff is massively expensive or or way booked out. You got to book them like years in advance um, because kind of the word is out that they're the capable good ones that are able to do the stuff you want done, you know, and then obviously, there's like market demand for that. And some guys have like infinite money. So for me, someone who doesn't yet have infinite money, man, what I would give to just find somebody that can like help me with a couple like renovations around my house, that's not an incompetent loser fiader. you know, it's just impossible to find which is so crazy. It's like no none of these guys who are capable want small jobs. There's just like a full so now I'm just learning how to do everything myself and like I can only do so good of a job. And so, you know, I would just love for there to be more skilled laborers, more skilled workers, more people who are able to do stuff, who care about what they do, who like have some ownership and you know some love and respect for the work that they call their own and i and i don't know how that 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 kind of world is generated but like i just i'm very motivated by that and you know i think a lot of principles in bitcoin will eventually lead to that it's just kind of a long road of like people being so focused on price and like i like if there's no awesome stuff to buy if there's no awesome skilled workers like it won't matter how high the bitcoin price goes like you're still going to be like repairing your kitchen cabinets yourself so we have to like stop this huddle mentality and like start incentivizing people to become good at you know whatever skills they are that they whatever skills they have that they care about yeah so i'm i'm motivated by like my own pursuit of perfection and i'm motivated by like Please let the work I do stimulate and, and stoke the flames in other capable executors out there. So that over the next five years, like when I'm looking, like right now I'm just, I just collaborated with this guy doing a CNC kind of project. I'm making these founder totems for Madex that are going to be very cool. And like this guy is extremely skilled, has like, A hundred CNC machines, like his company manufactures stuff for like defense contractors and like, you know, oil and gas company. He's like highly skilled production floor and like gets what I'm up to and wants to help with it. I've been like, I had the idea to hire this person like eight years ago. Took eight years to find somebody with the skills, the machinery and the i guess ambition desire to do it to make some kind of cool like artistic vision stuff and i just think that that's got to change i think it should take like 2 weeks to find somebody who like is motivated and cares about you know cares about what they're doing and that 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 that's a long road because you know obviously the whole fiat system has to change but you know i hope that like as bitcoiners there's a lot of us out there And, like, let's do what we can to, like, stimulate and incentivize, like, some of these guys to come and, like, do some good work for us. I don't know if what I'm saying is really clear, but, like, there's a major shortage of skilled laborers, skilled craftspeople. There's a major shortage of creative thinking. And we're just, you know, we're going to be in so much trouble if we don't start like rewarding these guys who can think outside the box, um, or, or, you know, have the, have the, the passion to actually care about the work that they're doing, you know? So like leave big Bitcoin tips, you know, offer Bitcoin all the time. Like, you know, I I don't know what it is, but it's like, we got to put this money that we have to use. And I understand that like a lot of people are new and they're just kind of starting and they haven't like really like reaped, you know, the rewards of Bitcoin, but like, You know, I'm, I'm friends with guys who bought their, you know, first coins around like the same era that I did that like, will, they just will not spend a Bitcoin on anything. It just won't. And like, it's like, dude, you have, you're, you're at like, what, like 60,000% return on, you know, return on investment right now. Like pay cabinet maker in Bitcoin. (laughs) You know, it's like, like just fuck, I get that it's like generational wealth and all this kind of stuff, but like, we just, we, we, we gotta, we gotta put the Bitcoin to work and we got to stop thinking about number go up and like, everyone's got to work their ass off. And like, if your cash flow is crazy, like if your, your your business is crazy, like then you're not going to be worried about like spending the coins because you'll be able to replace them. And so like, you know, shouldn't be this is another thing i was going off about it's like don't be sitting around waiting for bitcoin like i'm prepared for eternal bear markets i mean we got lucky recently but like when when bitcoin wasn't moving for a long time at like 20k area i was like okay i'm gonna structure the the rest of my life i'm gonna structure around this like bitcoin is never going up so what am i going to do about it how how does madex become like a hundred million a year revenue company what do i what do i got to do to reach that
0: you know (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's good to have uh have your own plan A and have bitcoin uh surprise you instead of being uh something that keeps you up at night for sure. Um for, for our listeners who want to find some of your stuff like uh how, where where's the best way to to find your work online? My website is madex.art,
1: m a d e x.art. I'm sure there'll be a link. That's where I'm kind of hosting everything that I've been up up to and then you know my bitcoin company is bullbitcoin.com b-u-l-l bitcoin.com and i'm on twitter at SpaceBull. and uh yeah i'll just be out here trying to get better at talking on podcasts <laughs> making cool stuff sending bitcoin signal you know and i'm just figuring it out like i i and i think that you know i i, I what what I've been encountering a lot lately is people who are new to Bitcoin that want to like get involved in it. And it's like, man, you don't have to do anything totally crazy. You don't have to move fast or like make big steps or whatever, like just learn it. And that's like the first most important thing and just learn as much as you can and just keep learning. And like, I think that if you just focus on learning about Bitcoin and learning about primarily, I mean, like Bitcoin is just like the the part that leads to like the Austrian economic thinking you know, that leads to a better life. And like I said, in the beginning, the accountability that comes from owning Bitcoin and all that kind of stuff. And like, just over time, it'll lead you to to a position in the world. And, you know, even just doing like whatever you're up to, but accepting Bitcoin, like that's making a contribution. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me, Scott. I, I'm going to improve at speaking on podcasts over time.
0: You are definitely creating cool stuff in the real world. And I think you have a really good message, man. So I uh, appreciate you coming on to share with our listeners. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Block Reward. We're trying to do something different here, creating accessible conversations meant for people who aren't obsessed with Bitcoin. If you found this episode informative and engaging, hit that subscribe button to make sure you stay updated with future episodes. Your feedback matters. We'd greatly appreciate it if you could take a moment to share your reviews and help us with our goal of creating Bitcoin content that is simple and easy to understand. Bitcoin has an important role to play in the future of finance. It will change the way we save, spend, and invest. Discover why Bitcoin offers a game-changing opportunity for forward-thinking employers by visiting blockrewards.ca. BlockRewards' mission is helping Canadian employers implement strategies for integrating Bitcoin into compensation and benefits. Supercharge your recruitment and retention strategies and help your team members plan for the rising cost of living by rewarding their work with the hardest money ever invented. Special thanks to our top sponsor, Paramount Employee Benefits Consulting, Canada's only Bitcoin forward benefits and pension advisory. For more information, find them at paramountbenefits.ca. Big shout out to Podigy, our production team that makes all this possible, and BMX Escape for producing our music. Bitcoin is an expansive and dense topic many people walk away from early. To Bitcoin enthusiasts looking for that podcast they can share with friends, family, and colleagues, one they'll actually listen to, we hope that is us. The content of these conversations is meant to be provided for information purposes only. Nothing here is investment advice, Bitcoin is a big topic, be sure to do your own research before making any personal financial decisions. Thanks for listening.